Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee completed his comprehensive work called The Life Study of the Bible before going to be with the Lord in 1997. And we're pleased to bring you recorded excerpts from The Life Study of Philippians on today's broadcast. Now, let's join today's Life Study. If you were asked, what is the goal of the Christian life, how would you respond? How would most people respond? Well, a likely answer might be, the goal of the Christian life is to go to heaven. This might be the most frequent answer to this question, but it is not an answer that the Bible supports. Philippians gives us some help on this question when Paul says, for me to live is Christ. We will explore this marvelous quotation from Philippians chapter 1, and Ron Kangas returns to add his portion on this very worthwhile topic. Ron, welcome back to the broadcast. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to join you and Paul as revealed in Philippians with an intense focus on Christ. Paul did not speak of going to heaven. He spoke of living Christ. When the matter of his passing away came up, he put it this way, I would rather depart and be with Christ. So Christ is central here. Christ is experienced. Christ is enjoyed. Christ is expressed. And Christ is lived out. And that's what we look forward to considering. What does it mean to live Christ? And how do we live Christ according to God's unveiling here? As we've been fellowshipping already, Ron, we touched it in the opening we're going to hear Witness Lee come at this head-on in this first portion again, but I think it's worth even more of our time. Let me pose the question to you. Why would it not be so accurate to say that heaven is the goal or the destination of a Christian? The reason it's inaccurate is because this is not what the Bible reveals. This may be a common notion, but what's common, what's traditional, what's comforting, that's not the criterion of truth. The criterion of truth is God's word. Put simply, the emphasis in the scriptures is on the corporate expression of the triune God. That is God's goal, to build up such a corporate expression that ultimately is called the New Jerusalem. Since this is God's goal, it should be our goal. So we all need to be adjusted by opening ourselves and humbling ourselves to the Word of God and to allow the light in the Word to shine in us and to adjust us so that we will learn what God's goal is and how we as individual believers can participate in God's corporate expression by living Christ for the corporate expression of Christ. And it's that participation that really is the focus of our program today, and particularly the ministry portions we'll have from Witness Lee. In this first section, he will touch not just this verse in Philippians chapter 1 that we've already alluded to, verse 21, which says simply, 
for to me to live is Christ. But he will also take us on a rather abbreviated tour of the whole gospel of John as it relates to for me to live is Christ. Here's Witness Lee. I have been uh, a Christian for years and years. I never was told what is the goal to be a Christian. Of course, I was told a little bit to be saved is just to go to heaven. To be a Christian is just to go to heaven. Heaven is the destination. Eventually, I got to see. No. The goal to be a Christian is to live Christ. And the destiny God ordained is to live Christ. What is your destiny? Who is your destiny? And what is your destination? What is your goal? What is your way? The way is Christ. The goal is Christ. The destiny is Christ. The destination is Christ. Christ, Christ, Christ. Paul says, to me, to live is Christ. What is to live Christ? Well, I like to spend some time, firstly, from the Gospel of John. John, firstly, tells us that Christ was the Word, and He was God. Then, this Word, this God, came to be a man. He became the flesh. While He was in the flesh, He was the Lamb of God to accomplish redemption, redemption for us. Then, you have to go on from chapter 1 to chapter 3. You do have the regeneration to be born again of God through the Spirit and in our spirit. Then, in chapter 14, he told us he was in the Father, and the Father was in him. People saw him, and people saw the Father. He was one with the Father. And then he went down that the spirit of reality will come. Then the next chapter, chapter 15, he is the vine tree. Then in chapter 20, when he got into resurrection, he came back to his disciples, not as the word, neither as the lamb, but as what? As the bread. He breathed into his disciples and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Spirit, the Holy Numa. Have you got the point? The whole Gospel of John, beginning from the Word, which was God, through all the steps of process, incarnation, redemption, you see? And this Word, which was God, through all the process, eventually, He is the bride here. Could you follow me? 
is the bride. For you to breathe in. Have you got it? Ron, this was quite an introduction covering our goal as Christians, uh, even our destiny, our destination, all of which are, as we heard, to live Christ. And then this quick tour that we got through the whole Gospel of John, bringing us to, and I will use his phrase here, the holy pneuma. I want to ask you about this term pneuma, and then if you would relate it to the goal that we've seen, which is to live Christ. Simply stated, the word pneuma denotes the spirit with the life essence as breath. So the word pneuma can be translated spirit. It can be translated breath. And what is of truly outstanding significance in the Gospel of John is that we begin with the eternal word, the word which is God himself, Then we're told the word became flesh. This is incarnation. And this incarnate word is the lamb for our redemption. But redemption is not an end in itself. It has as its goal the opening of the way to the tree of life, that we may receive the divine life for the carrying out of God's economy, that he may have a corporate expression. So the word which has become the lamb for redemption is also the tree, in particular the vine tree, which we understand to be the tree of life in spiritual significance. But all this can still be quite objective, not affecting our practical situation very much. But by the time we come to chapter 20, We have a Christ who is in resurrection. He has a glorified, resurrected body. Nevertheless, he has also become the life-giving spirit, the holy pneuma, the holy breath. And he tells us to receive the Holy Spirit, receive the holy breath. This is the fulfillment of Chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, a section which ends with a word about those who receive the Spirit. So now we end up with an elegant simplicity that is breathing, breathing the processed and consummated triune God, breathing the word lamb tree as our spiritual breath. This imparts to us continuously the life supply, and by this life supply, which is Christ, we live Christ. This is the tie-in between John, as quickly visited in this message and fellowship, with Philippians chapter 1, To live Christ, as we will see more, is to breathe Christ. Let's pick it up right there as Witness Lee uh, continues the same thought. Here's Witness Lee. The Lord Jesus tells us from the Gospel of John that he came and he lived because of the Father. Then he told us, he that eats him 
shall leave him because of him. We have to leave him. Then in chapter 14, he says, after his resurrection, he will live, and we shall live also. And he lives in us, and we live in him. Because by that day, we always know that he is in the Father, and we are in him, and he is in us. He lives in the Father, and we live in him, and he lives in us. It's wonderful. We not only coexist with Christ, we co-inhere with him. He lives in us, and we live in him. Would you tell me, where are you living? In Christ. And where Christ is living? In you. You live in him, and he lives in you. What kind of living is this? This is co-inheritance. Wonderful. It's really wonderful. He lives, and we live. And he lives in us, and we live in him. It's wonderful. How could this be? Only by the Spirit. For us to breathe in. But don't take this as a doctrine. Breathing is not a doctrine. You stop breathing, you die. Physically speaking, we don't stop breathing. But spiritually speaking, I doubt over 1,000 people, there's anyone that never stops the spiritual breathing. What is to pray without ceasing? First Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. I'll pray unceasingly. I'll pray continually. What is this? What is this? Only one thing that doesn't stop. Even you sleep, you don't stop. That's breathing. By the wording, pray unceasingly. Just by this word, unceasingly, there is a kind of implication, a kind of indication. That is, the prayer, the proper prayer must be like what? Like breathing. Well, Ron, another piece uh, has been thrown into our puzzle here today, but I think the picture is starting to come more and more clear. First, Paul points us to live Christ. Then he says to pray without ceasing. And all the time we're hearing this developed in this context of John and the holy pneuma or the holy breath. What kind of prayer is it, Ron, that can be likened to a kind of spiritual breathing? We are talking not about behavior. We're talking about living. I want to say something so obvious we may not consider it. Paul speaks of living Christ. In Colossians 3, 4, he says that Christ is our life. Now, life and living are not occasional things. If you breathe occasionally, you don't live. So, our physical life is a picture of our spiritual life. In order for us to stay alive... And as a sign that we are alive, we breathe. Breathing is continual. We're all doing it right now. So since breathing is continual, we can tie in this matter with praying without ceasing. Let me tell you what praying without ceasing means. It means 
to pray without ceasing. So we will all have the question, how do we pray without ceasing? The only answer I can give is to follow the word and to follow Brother Lee's exposition is to say, to pray without ceasing is to breathe. And how do we breathe? By calling on the name of the Lord. So if we want to live, we need to breathe. If we want to breathe, we need to pray. And just as breathing is without ceasing, prayer is without ceasing, but how can we pray without ceasing when we have to concentrate on so many other things? There must be a way to do this almost unconsciously, unintentionally, and that's by a deep, inward, continual calling on the name of Jesus. We are going to see that developed, Ron, in this final segment today. Let's join Witness Lee. How could we make our prayer like breathing? Now we have found out, surely. There's only one way to make our prayer like breathing. That is to continue the calling all the time, calling on the name, all the time calling on the Lord. You may say, brotherly, I am not used to it. Yes, me too. We all are not used to it because we were not born to this. And we were never trained in this. So what? So now we have to practice. We have found out, surely. To live is to breathe. Spiritually speaking, to breathe is to call. To call and to pray. From morning till evening, day and night, regardless what we are doing, we have to do it by calling on the Lord. In doing everything, you have to call on him. If you call him, you can never lose a temper. When you are going to lose your temper, call on the name. Oh, Lord, I love you, Lord. Come along with me to lose my temper, Lord. I'm not joking. Try it. Lord, amen. I love you. I love you, Lord. I am here, and I believe you are here. If you are a professor, a teacher, teaching in the school, while you are teaching, pray. Pray without ceasing. This means what? To call on the Lord. And this is to leave him. Because you just take him as your life, as your person. So whatever you do, you do it prayingly. You don't do it by yourself. You do it by your prayer to him. Could you see this? How to live Christ. Eventually, I discovered to live Christ is just to breathe him. And to breathe him is just to call on him without ceasing. Hallelujah. Isn't this good? Well, Ron, this was very practical and very experiential fellowship from one who sought the genuine experience of living Christ for more than 70 years. What about us, Ron? Can this practice of breathing by calling moment by moment really be a way for us to pray without ceasing to maintain a living fellowship with the Lord? Yes, 
But I say yes as a learner and a seeker, not as one who has been perfected in this matter. But I believe that because we have a spirit created by God and regenerated by the Spirit of God and now possessing the life of God deep within our being, our spirit can be trained and can build up the practice of calling on the Lord unconsciously, unintentionally, continuously. But from my learning thus far, I would have to say we need at least three things as prerequisites. Number one, we need our spirit to be strengthened. We need our inner man to be strengthened with power so that it can fulfill this function. Number two, we need a clear revelation concerning living Christ in relation to praying without ceasing, that this is a matter not of conscious behavior, but of our living. And then the third thing I would mention is we need to have a deeper need of and dependence upon the Lord. If we remain so strong in our natural life, so sufficient in ourselves, so capable of handling all kinds of things, then in a practical way we'll live large parts of our day as if there were no God. There's no prayer. There's no turning to him. Just quick as a flash, we are saying this, we are doing that, we are handling things this way. But the more we are disciplined by the Lord and touched by the Lord— and as a result, are dependent on him. This dependence, along with a strengthened spirit under the light of the divine revelation concerning living Christ, will result in the gradual building up of this life practice of inwardly breathing and maintaining a spirit of prayer and attitude of prayer contacting the Lord inwardly, and the times we'll find ourselves deep within. Part of us is just calling on the Lord, sometimes even crying out to him. This goes on simultaneously, why with our soul we're attending to so many outward matters. I knew Brother Lee for many years and had the honor and privilege of serving with him. Uh, he certainly was a spiritual father to me, and his development and practice far exceed where I am today. But I'm encouraged that if a fellow sinner saved by the grace of God can learn to live Christ by breathing the Spirit, I believe all of us can learn. And we can learn through the ministry constituted by God of one who opened up this way following Paul. So I say in faith and in hope, as a seeker, though, and as a learner, yes, we can do this. Eventually, in eternity, we will do this. Since this will be our eternal practice, why don't we learn right here and right now? Hmm. 
Ron, I have to uh, confess, putting this uh, message together with all that was contained in his utterance in this particular portion was a monumental task, and uh, we approached it with much trepidation and with not a great deal of easy success. And I don't know even now how well we did, but I do have a deep, satisfying sense that something came out today that could be of tremendous value to all who really seek the Lord in such a way. I believe so, and by working on it with you, I believe my learning to breathe the Lord in in order to live him has been at least a little bit enriched and improved, and I'm encouraged to go on. And I hope that many other of our listeners, especially those who are seeking the Lord in the way of life, will be touched and want to read the printed messages and pray concerning them and fellowship concerning them, and even to fellowship back with us that we may encourage one another and learn together so that the Lord can have for his corporate expression a group of people on the earth living Christ by breathing him. Mm -hmm. Well, you touched all of the things there that I was about to, so I'm just going to uh, conclude with the phone number. I think you uh, got our message out. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Please call us. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening, and please join us again tomorrow. book, The Secret of Experiencing Christ, Witness Lee unveils practical points to enter into a genuine experience of Christ. The Secret of Experiencing Christ is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order a copy from Living Stream Ministry by calling 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788.